Okay, so good evening, beloved. And uh, so today we're going to talk about communion. And you're going to love it, what communion is. Uh, every time you have communion, it's going to do something amazing to you. Uh, and so I'm taking communion from so many different scriptures. Uh, and we're going to see deep truths in it. Okay, so let's just get into the word. Uh, so let's read. Okay. I'm going to talk again, go back to the Garden of Eden, uh, which I like to begin everything in. So we have a clear understanding of uh, where everything begins from. Uh, so in the Bible, when Jesus takes actually communion, so you know, for, for a layman who's just hearing us, so if anyone is watching us on, online, there's a little link that I have below this video. And if you click on it, it opens up to a PDF file with all the scripture references that I put. Uh, okay, I've taken some of them. I've not taken all of them. Uh, as a son, so whoever's watching me, if you come into the kingdom, you, you become a son of God. Okay? And a relationship is with God is he's, he's, I understand he's God, but he's our father first. Okay. And so just the way an earthly parent has a relationship with a child. And if you have children, your relationship with the, with the child is by blood, your blood bond and blood relationship. And it's no more why it works. Okay. And we are coming back into that. And that's what uh, I want to establish all of you in okay? a blood relationship with your father, because you'll see the more you're getting established, established, established in a blood relationship with him, how sickness can't touch you and how, uh, you walk, uh, you walk like an untouchable, and the seriousness of being established in righteousness. Okay, so the word communion, actually, when Jesus partook of the supper, he just called it "Do this in remembrance of me." Okay, and that word communion comes from one Corinthians ten sixteen. So let's read that. Okay, one Corinthians ten sixteen. The cup of blessing which we bless is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break. Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Okay? So for those who don't know what communion is, when Jesus, before going on the cross, he took bread and he took some wine and he broke it. He blessed it and said, this is my body and do this in remembrance of me. And so if you go to any church, you'll see these elements passed by. You'll see a little wine or some juice passed by and some bread. Okay? And people can do that, do that as a tradition and nothing can happen. But when you're doing, doing that in consciousness, like awake, everything that a son does is awake. And we're conscious of everything that we do. You'll see what it is. Okay. So what does the word communion mean? So in Greek, the word communion comes from this word called koinonia. Okay. I may not be pronouncing it right. But it literally means, uh, it literally means, uh, fellowship. Okay. If you take the word communion, it's spelled as C-O-M-M and then it goes on U-N-I-O-N. That means it's a union. So communion is, is, is we read all of the, uh, all of the meanings in Greek, but it's actually a spiritual union. It's a union. That's why it's called communion. That's where you get the word community from also some sort of unity or unification. Okay. So it, it means koinonia, from, which literally means in Greek fellowship. Now I'm just going to quickly read what, what Strong's Concordance, and I went into Greek and literally what those words mean. It's a fellowship in the spirit, what is shared in common on the basis of fellowship. It's a joint participation. Okay, it's the share which one has in anything. That is, 
it's in the benefits of Christ's death to obtain fellowship in the dignity and blessings of the Son of God. That, that's, that's where, when Jesus says, you're a joint heir with me, with me. That's what communion means. Okay. Um, I'm going to make somebody else a host also along with me on this. Just because I'm logging off, uh, I can't see. Okay. Okay, let's continue. Okay, that's what it means when Jesus says, I'm a joint heir. How do you become a joint heir? Unless you know your communion, your one. Okay, you can't be a joint heir. Okay, communion means intimacy. It means, I'm reading in red, everything that I've highlighted. In common of the same mind as God and Christ. Imagine having the same mind as God and Christ. And of the blessings arising therefrom. That means everything is coming from your unity with him. From your union with him. A benefaction jointly contributed. A collection of contribution. It's a proof of fellowship. That means a proof of your union. Just the way you get baptized. A baptism for you is like a celebration of an adversary. Does God need your baptism? The, you know, the thief on the cross, he didn't have time to go and get baptized. Get off the cross, go and get baptized. But Jesus just said, believe on me and you're going to be with me in heaven today. Okay? But baptism is a declaration for everything. It's a remembrance for you of what you've done. That act of going down, buried with Christ and risen again. It's like a birthday celebration or an anniversary celebration. And communion, again, the same way Jesus says, it's a, remem it's a remembrance for you. That you're one with me now. It's my union with you. Okay? My identification with you. And so we're going to go into deep meaning of communion. And so you're not going to be about scripture. And this scripture says this, this scripture says this. When you have an understanding of what communion means, it's you're above scripture. Because the word is everything. It's going to give you a revelation of what that oneness is. And so when you partake communion, you'll understand what you're doing. Of that spiritual union you have with Christ. Okay? Strong's con 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 concordance calls it an intercourse, communion. When two people come together, it's a communion. And out of that union, out of that oneness comes about a child. Okay? Uh, and so it's, it's a spiritual union that you have with Christ. Okay? Now let's go to Matthew 26. Okay? Uh, and this is God preparing his disciples for the communion. Okay? What he's about to do, the Passover. Now look at Matthew 26, verse 17. Now on the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? <clears throat> and he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the dis disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve now, as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes, just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, it is I. He said to him, you have said it. Okay, now verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my bread. This is, this is my body. 
Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of wine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Okay. So now what did Jesus tell them? Go and prepare the Passover meal. So they are just going to prepare the Passover meal. Right. So if you do not understand what you will never understand what communion is until now we have to look into what the Passover meal is. And what does the Passover meal symbolize? So now we're going to go into Exodus and look at what the Passover meal is because Jesus is having the Passover meal and now calling it communion and the Lord's Supper. Okay, so now let's go to Exodus 12. Now the Old Testament is a shadow of things to come. Okay, Hebrews 10. Everything in the Old was a shadow of things to come. So let's go to Exodus chapter 10. Uh, Exodus chapter 12. I haven't put it there because it was too big to put it. Uh, if someone enters in, you just have to tell me or message me on my phone because my computer is not. Exodus, I'm just going to read Exodus chapter 12, okay? So, Exodus is uh, children of God, okay? But for the longest time in slavery under the Egyptians, okay? And then God decides now he's going to bring his children out of bondage, out of Egypt, into their promised land, Okay? And what does Egypt symbolize? What does bondage symbolize? When Adam partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he was always supposed to be partakers of the tree of life. But Adam goes and partakes of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he falls into a realm that God calls darkness. He falls into another kingdom. He becomes a slave of sin. And now this whole world is under that. The law of sin and death. That means the, the, the knowledge of good and evil. But it leads to death. You know, the beautiful thing is when God, um, think about it. God did not want man to partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But isn't that what we are constantly telling somebody? This is good, this is bad, this is right, this is wrong. But think about it. God wanted his journey with man. He did not want man to have a consciousness of right and wrong. I remember once asking God, uh, and this was way before I'd just come into the kingdom. Those were the days I was just... Uh, getting to know who I was. I was in love, uh, you know, with everything that God was showing me. And so I read this verse in the Bible that says, unless you become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so I remember asking God, what I, I said, what, does, what do children have that grown-ups don't have? Okay. And I remember I had gone away. My, my Bible was on my bed. And I'd gone away and I come back and the pages just flicker. And they go and they flip and they fall on Deuteronomy. And there's this verse in Deuteronomy that was highlighted to me. And it says that children who today have no knowledge of good and evil. Children don't have a consciousness of right and wrong. Okay. And literally when you're, the, the degree to you can walk in righteousness, righteousness by faith, to that same degree, it's you're walking in divine health. And I'll tell you how divine health and righteousness are so key to each other. Okay. Uh, so let's look at this. <clears throat> so God is bringing the children of, uh, uh, children of Israel. Okay. He's bringing his his children out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, into the promised land, okay? And so we're reading um, Exodus 12, okay, where he's ordaining this Passover. So he's done all of these amazing miracles in Egypt, uh, you know, <clears throat> turning uh, the water into blood and then certain disease, uh, plagues start coming in. And now I'm reading from uh, <clears throat> chapter 12. I'm just going to quickly read it. 
Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let them, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make and count for the lamb. Now look at this. What type of lamb? It says, your lamb shall be without blemish. The lamb shall be without blemish. Jesus is called the lamb of God, right? He is my offering. So look at this. The lamb without blemish. A male of the first year, you shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it un until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. The lamb is slain. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts on the lentil of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat of the flesh on that night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Why unleavened? Unleavened, it means without sin. Leaven is something that accelerates something and makes bread puffed up. But if you see unleavened bread, it's like a, it's like a papad, it's like a chapati. And it's got whips and it's got little holes in it to symbolize what happened to, with, uh, with Christ on the cross, taking our, our whips and being nailed in the flesh. Okay, now look at this. Do not eat it raw, nor boil at all with water, but roast it in fire, its head with its legs and with its and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with now look at this. You shall eat the eat this Passover, right? And look at the manner in which God wants you to eat. Why? And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. He's telling you that the more you're getting rested, look at the position, because I'm going to get you out quickly after this Passover. You're going to come out. That's why be ready to come out of the land of Egypt, from the land of bondage, into my promised land. And so he's telling you, have with a belt on your waist, with sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand means get ready to come out of that place of bondage that you've been forever. Just by partaking of the Lord's meal. And that's what it means, okay? I believe a lot of you will start seeing healing in your body just by discerning the Lord's body and what it is. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both male and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, look at this. What is God saying? And God, you have to know that you're a son. God makes a clear distinction. Even in the Bible, God, Jesus said, of all that you, I'm not praying for all the world, but of all that you've given me. God calls his seed. It's in his seed. It's in the seed that God calls his sons. Not everyone just because they look like you are sons. It's in the seed. The lost sons of Adam. Okay. And so God makes a clear distinction between his seed and not his seed in this. So look at this. And again, I will bring, uh, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both male and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, 
I will execute judgment. Who is God executing judgment on? Is he executing judgment on his children? Or is he executing judgment on the rest that are not his children? I will execute judgment on the gods of Egypt and everyone else apart from his children. Okay. Now look at this. Now the blood shall be a sign for you and the houses where you are. The blood is a sign. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you as a memorial and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generation. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation and on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared by you. So you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leaven, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwellings, you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourself according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. Jesus went on the cross, when was he crucified? On the day of the Passover, because he symbolizes the Lamb of God. And he is the Lamb without blemish. Okay? And so look at this. <clears throat> uh, pick a Passover Lamb, and you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lentil and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And, of, and none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians and when he sees, now look at this, and when he sees the blood on the lentil and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer, the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. Now is God looking at, I'm just giving you an example and I'm going to share more about this. Is God is not looking at Israel's sins here. Whether they're good people, they're bad people. God identifies his children by the ones who have the blood on the doorpost. And then all this destroyer is coming and looking at and seeing, is the blood, is the blood, is the blood, is the blood. And the blood is the reason why this destroyer cannot touch that household. That's why it's so important, I keep telling you, it's so important for you to know that your relationship with the father is by blood. Because you are an untouchable. The devil knows your relationship. Uh, the devil knows that uh, it's by the blood. But he doesn't ever want the son to know that it's by blood. Because the more he gets grounded in his blood relationship, you're an untouchable. Because your, your relationship, you know that I'm a son of his blood. That means it's not based on what you do. You were born a son. Everything else that God, God made was created. Was created. It said that he made... 
the sun, the moon, the stars, everything was created. But the sun was not created. A sun is born from above. We are the only ones who are born again. You're born out of his womb. You were not created. You're born again. Do you understand what I'm saying? So look at this. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to read that again. For the Lord will pass through to strike Egyptians and when he sees the blood on the lentil and on the two doorposts, the... Okay. Someone will have to reply to Sidhu on that. Um, when he sees the blood... The Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you should observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised, that you will keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? That you shall say it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, not his children. When he struck the Egyptians, that means the rest of the world, and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they, so they did this. And then it says that the, uh, you know, they did as God had said, and that's how the children of Israel left their houses. Okay? And even when they left, uh, you know, they got the spoil from the Egyptians. Okay? That means they, they even came out richer. And they left Egypt. Okay. Now, why do I want? Why do I want to talk about the Passover? Because unless you understand the Passover, then you cannot understand what Jesus is doing when he's saying, "Partake of my communion, partake of this bread." Okay. Now you understand when Jesus says, "Go and prepare the Passover meal," and now that Passover meal is symbolic of Him. And so now you're getting established in His blood. So now when He's saying, uh, "Eat my bread and have my blood." drink my blood and this is symbolic of my union means what he is doing he is going to do on the cross for us just the way the unblemished lamb was slain and because everyone the reason why nothing could touch them was just because of the blood so one sometimes people just have a head not head, head understanding and they say oh the blood of Christ the blood of Christ the blood of Christ no 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 it means born again means born from above born from him his move and that's why in the Old Testament, it's just God and man. But in the New Covenant, it's father and son. I, I use this example many times. A dog cannot call a cat his father or a lion his father. A dog can only call, an, call another dog his father. So similarly, if, if the father is looking at you and saying, now you're no more a servant, but now you become my son. So the fact that I, I have a son, that means I get to be same species. That means same species. That means God kind. That means God gave, God gave birth to another God. That's why it says in Corinthians that you become a new creation. That, that's what it means by spiritual union. It's a spiritual union that happened. Okay? When two become one. For example, uh, those who have children will understand this. Okay? When the father and the mother come together, they will give birth to a child. Now that child is the union of the father and the mother. Now when you look at that child, the child will look like the father and the mother. Can you separate the two out of them? Can you separate the father and the mother out of them? No, because the child is born out of union and the child has become one out of a union of two. And that's what it means to be born again. You, God's spirit and your spirit intermingled and became one spirit. So there's no two. 
And once you understand union, then everything flows out of union. Everything flows out of union. That's why you can't lose your salvation. How can you lose your salvation if you understand spiritual union? You can't stop existing. Can the child that got born out of the union of two parents stop existing, even if the parents choose not to believe it? No, it came out of a spiritual union. And that's what born against means. You're born from above, from his DNA. Okay? And um, the more you're getting established in this, I'll, I'll show you where we're going with this. Okay? So now look at this. In Deuteronomy 7, it says a reason. Why did God do this? Why did God do all of this? Okay? And so I just want to read Deuteronomy 7. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you or not choose you because you were more in number than any other people. For you were the least of all the people. But God simply did it because the Lord loves you. Because you are his lost children. And because he would keep, keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. It's literally saying he pulled you out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the realm of bondage that Adam fell in, and now he's brought you back into his kingdom, into the kingdom of the son of Islam. And so God calls the minute Adam partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Adam's spirit died. His spirit died. His flesh started telling him everything. His flesh started dictating. Man, by default, became a slave of sin. That means you didn't want to do, do bad things, but you just land up doing things. Why? It's because the law of sin and death entered the flesh. That's why in Romans it says, where is the law of sin and death? Paul says that the law of sin and death, there exists another law in my members. So he says, with my mind, I want to do some good things, but I see another law in my members. So the minute Adam partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, his spirit died and sin. The law of sin and death entered his flesh. That's why no matter what you do, you can't get right with God based on your flesh. And the more you keep on going into the cycle, it's just a, a cycle that leads to death. It's a cycle that leads to death. And that's why it says to have your minds set on the flesh, to be calmly minded leads to death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Okay, we'll get, uh, we'll get uh, more firm in this, okay? So I want you to know that, so what did God free you from? What did God free you from? Okay? So let's look at Romans 6. Sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> Dead to sin, alive to God. Okay? Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together, that means communion, communion, every time you're having communion, if, if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, Certainly, we should also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. What should be done away with? The physical body of sin should be done away with, that we are no longer slaves of sin. We are no longer slaves of sin. For he who has died 
has been freed from sin. He who has died, that is you, have been freed from sin. And then you look at your body, you say, but Priya, but I do all these funny things. Yeah, because a lot of sin and death is in your members. But the more you're awaking to righteousness, you get your mind off the flesh and you look at who you are by faith in what Christ has done for you. That's why it's called righteous. It doesn't say you are just righteous. It says you are righteous in Christ. Okay? That means by faith I receive it. That Christ went on my behalf. I'm you. I'm that's why he had communion before the cross and then he has communion even after the cross. And before the cross, when he has communion, now he's becoming one. They're becoming one with him. That means he is going as a representation on their behalf. And he's taking their sins upon himself. So someone else paid the price for you and me. Jesus, God just didn't send Jesus spiritually because God is spirit and he can do everything spirit, right? But why did Jesus have to come and take on flesh? There is a reason because someone else had to pay the price of every time your flesh goes up. And so religion gets you on a, on a sin hunt and gets you in the cycle of trying to live right by works. And you go on, you go on trying to get holy and you just have to come to the end of yourself and say, I can't do it. Because holiness under grace is a fruit. You don't pursue holiness. Holiness is a fruit. Righteousness being established leads. It's a fruit to holiness. You don't pursue it and you can't. Because the law of sin and death is in the members. This will have to die one day. You'll have to eat a glorified body for that. Okay? And so, and so look at this. Okay, so what did God free you, free you from? What did Jesus free you from? He freed us from sin because we were slaves of sin all our life. We, we fell into a realm that dictated us. Now, if we died, I'm on verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Sin or death has no dominion over him. Death has no dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also, now see what he's saying. Likewise, you also reckon yourself. You start thinking, start seeing yourself, start believing, start renewing your mind. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Now see this. For sin shall not have dominion over you. I want to take that word and say, or Satan shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. The more you get established in your blood relationship, you will realize how you are walking above all circumstances. Okay, I'm just going to read verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Now he's not talking about obedience to get right with God. The verse 17 shows it. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And you know that what Paul was preaching, right? Justification by faith. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanliness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. 
For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But see this. But now having been, been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, that means you've come from one realm into another realm, you have your fruit to holiness, your fruit to holiness, and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm just going to read some things and then I'll, I'll bring home what I'm sharing. Romans 8, 8. So then Paul goes about in Romans 7 saying, you know, with my mind I want to do certain things, but you know, with my, uh, with my mind there's another law, but in my flesh there's another law. And they're constantly at war with each other. What do I do? Who's going to set me free from this body of sin? And then Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. That's why your whole life as a son, we believe. How did you get saved? You believe that someone else did for you something and you came into the kingdom. How do you stay there and receive all things? By the same way. You know, the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, it was cut between God and man. So man had to do something, you do something, and then God would base on what they did. And even in the Old, because they missed it, there was still a lamb offering. The new covenant is not between God and man. It is between father and son. You and I were never involved. Okay? It was cut between the father and the son. And we are just recipients of something that the, the son has done on our behalf. And that's what it means. Sonship is coming into union. Communion. So every time you're taking bread and wine, it's not just a head knowledge, oh, his blood and his body. No, no, my God, it's so much deeper. You're joined heirs with him. I'm union. I'm a joined heir. I'm righteous. And so every time your flesh goofs up and that's the time you remember and remind yourself, my God, someone else died and lived a perfectly holy life so that every time I miss it, thank God I'm still a son of your blood because of what Christ has done. And the more you are aware that your relationship with your father is by blood, listen, you will wake up with divine health in you. Righteousness and divine health literally is like this. People get sick and fall sick because of condemnation. Condemnation leads to death. For example, when you're eating something, if you know, if you're uh, one of you, you're on a diet, and if you have an ice cream, what is the first thing you feel after you eat ice cream? You feel guilty. Con condemnation that you've done something wrong. Condemnation tells all the cells that it's wrong. That's how weak immunity comes in because it has a sense of knowing wrong. Righteousness consciousness gives life to every cell. It increases immunity. That's how divine health comes in. Because everything is based in, about immunity in your body. Divine health, righteousness consciousness, awake to righteousness. And I can't tell you how, how a condemned heart is it so programs your whole body to be in death. And the more you're awakening to righteousness, that you're innocent, that you're innocent, that you know everything is in the blood, every disease, everything. The first thing they'll do is get a blood test done. You can detect it by blood. And so the more you're awakening that it's Christ's blood has made you worthy, that there is no condemnation. And where does condemnation come? Every time you look at your flesh, it tells you you've done wrong. And that's the time you're taking that communion and reminding what Christ has done on your behalf. And once your security is your, with your father is in blood relationship, now you can deal with those things and uproot it. But you're doing it in the relationship of a son who's always in the house forever. A slave abides outside and a slave is always trying to earn something. A son, his relationship is based on blood. 
and that's why the destroyer could not touch the ones where the blood was so the today if the devil messes with you is because you don't know your relationship with the father is by blood if you think it's based on what you do it's so easy to condemn you you'll get condemned by what you do you get condemned by what you eat you'll get condemned by what you said something you spoke a mess and condemnation condemnation then you wonder why you're falling sick why bad things are happening is because you're condemned a condemned heart cannot receive from the father it says in the bible and that's why in hebrews it says go boldly in front of the throne of grace having your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience that's what justification by faith means that i live my whole life just by what christ did on the cross for me it's identification the cross is identification so is everything else and you you read the bible everything it's not scripture if you know if you want scripture you can really see through you can miss it the the pharisees knew scripture so well and then when jesus showed up they couldn't match scripture with jesus why they knew all scripture scripture is useless without the holy spirit without seeing it with the heart of the father and you must see it through the heart what i'm bringing communion if you do not understand what the passover lamb is how will you understand your oneness with him and so if you see in the passover lamb the blood jesus is not he's not against his children he's for his children the father and so the blood is protecting his children and so now the destroyer goes and only he just sees the blood that means the destroyer is not looking at someone good and someone bad what bad things it is what good things it is he can only see common children of blood and blood and blood is just the 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 distinction between children of god and not children of god and it goes and touches something else and destroys the other person and your relationship and my relationship is in the blood means i give you an example ambani's son goes to sleep he wakes up all he knows is he's a son of his father by blood the only thing that ambani's son should never forget that he's a son of his blood if he gets amnesia he goes out he'll get beaten up but does the world know he's ambani's son yeah the realm spiritual realm knows he's ambani's son it's like that everyone knows he's ambani's son but he doesn't know amnesia and so he's living a defeated life and so you and i the more secure you're getting in the blood sin has been dealt with that's why i wanted to a series i'm going to take a teaching on what sin is stop obsessing over sin so much it's been dealt with on the cross of christ god is more interested the father is more interested in you reigning in life and receiving everything that every drop drop of jesus blood jesus gave to so that you can reign in this life that means reign over sickness even reign over sin and things like that because you don't want them it's not in your nature anymore you're born from above and the more you're waking up to righteousness consciousness guess what's happening your health is getting stronger every cell in your being is coming out of condemnation every cell is alive is coming out of death into life and that's how divine health manifests in your body it's like it's even scientific what i'm saying okay so let's read uh <clears throat> let's go down to uh the passover lamb right so i'm reading on um okay i'm reading romans 8 okay there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in christ who do not walk according to the flesh that means to get right with god in this body it's impossible just give it up but according to the spirit that means god is spirit and i uh, when it says communion it means spiritual spiritual union okay for the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death which is in my members okay for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh because sin entered this flesh i could never get right with god on my own never attain this what the world is trying to get saved right 
they do ganga mein dubki they try and do some other things they try and tell a pandit do this and then i will get this they all they're all bound in the cycle of sin and death that means of doing good it will get me good if i do bad it will get me bad it's a cycle and god pulled you out of that cycle that cycle came by partaking of the tree of knowledge of good and evil so all of humanity fell into that rem the rem is called the tree of knowledge of good and evil that you live in today but he's took taken you out of that rem and he's plonked you in the rem of law of life that means even if you missed it your fruit is life the fruit of law of sin and death that means the tree of knowledge of good and evil leads to death that means you do good also it still leads to death it's it's this carnal mind that we come out of okay but we are spiritually minded okay but if you live according to this for the for the law of the spirit of life in christ has made you free from this whole cycle of the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh that's why god did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin he condemned sin in the flesh that means when you are partaking of that bread and wine you know every time your flesh condemns you every time thoughts come in you missed it you ate this and so you have this in your body and you did this and that's why you having this you straightened your hair and so you bonded your hair and so now you have hair fall okay and every time it's giving you condemnation of what you did wrong you have to remember that sin was condemned in the flesh of christ so that your and my righteous requirement god's perfection of holiness might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit you can go thank god the more you look at your flesh you you're going to do silly things the more you're spiritually minded your identity comes from the father you're going to walk like a son it's going to produce even holiness righteousness produces holiness it's a fruit that's why it says awake to righteousness and sin not okay now look at john 8:36 so what did god made you free from right the truth shall make you free then jesus said to said to those jews who believed in him if you abide in my word you are my disciples indeed for you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free what sets you free the truth sets you free that's why i keep telling everyone in beloved just keep hearing just keep hearing just keep hearing and i do not want even your carnal mind to understand because i believe my words are spirit and they are life okay because they are out of the tree of life and so even as the words are falling into your heart into that soul of yours into that soil it's incorruptible seed and you don't know how that seed the farmer goes to sleep and that seed is doing its work because it's an incorruptible seed it will produce what it was meant to produce in you and so one day you just wake up with the very blessing that you wanted for years and you don't know how is because the seed incorruptible seed fell in you and it did what it was supposed to do okay look at this if you abide in my word that means make my word your home okay you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free they answered him we are abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anybody okay how can you say you will make us free jesus answered them most assuredly i say to you whoever commits sin is a slave of sin and a slave does not abide in the house forever but a son abides forever are you a son am i a son the god is saying you and i abide forever you and i abide forever therefore if the son makes you free you are you shall be free indeed jesus came to pay the penalty for your sin my sin i told you before the foundations of the earth you were in the father the lamb was slain before the foundations of the earth 
it says he knew you he chose you before the foundations of the earth you were already in him adam partook sin came in god's children got separated from him they began to live in a realm dictated calling bad good sin they they were they were so sin had absolute dominion over them and they had no control over it and now god sends a second adam jesus comes representing going on the cross leading your perfect life that you and i can never leave in the flesh pays the penalty for all the rubbish that you've done past present future pays all the penalty for all your sins goes on the cross and that's your identification that's what communion is knowing that someone else paid the price that lived that perfect life that i will never be able to live because of lot sin and ecclesia and now he rises up again and that's what paul is saying now reckon yourselves to be dead to sin that means believe start thinking see him and now alive to god and now guess what when you said jesus come into my heart the holy spirit came jesus didn't come to make bad people good he came to make dead people live and so the holy spirit comes and now you become alive and you become one spirit with him and now the holy spirit the father has come back home into the son and guess what he is going to do he is going to take dominion of that soul of yours that mind that got corrupted from the eating the tree of knowledge of good and evil right calling bad good all your life and now he's come there and now you're awaking and how do i wake up a sleeping son just by telling them wake up it's not in your nature by reinforcing who you are because everything has changed you know i have this testimony of this girl who was uh, i met her and uh, for the longest time when i met her she came into the kingdom and stuff like that and she was in a in a, a terrible relationship with somebody okay for 10 years and um, Uh, you know the person wasn't treating her well and uh, just basically calling bad good and i said she she kept telling me she's in love with this person i said you're not in love with this person i said because let me define love to you and then i defined what jesus did i said he spoke life he went on the cross he did something i said now tell me what this person does okay and this person was not living not even committed to her was with many other people but this girl was believing that she was in love with him okay and all i did after she came into the kingdom i said do you know that my word says that he who is joined to the lord is one spirit with him in ezekiel it says that i will give them a new heart one heart and i said now everything in you does not want him and so she said no but i'm texting him i'm messaging him i'm doing everything i said no you don't want him anymore you don't want him anymore i said your heart doesn't want him because the father has come and taken dominion now for some months she it still didn't look like anything had changed but i didn't go and tell her right and wrong i just told her who she is the word i said no you got one heart his heart everything in you doesn't want that person anymore everything has changed up until one day she has this dream and then in that dream this guy is driving her car and uh, he removes the keys and gives it to her and says i don't own you anymore i have no control over you and so she wakes up and tells me she's saying you know this i had this dream i said because everything changed I said, "Because God plucked you out of one kingdom where you were a slave of sin, by everything you, everything you wanted to, and now He pulled you in the kingdom of His Son. Okay, and now you can walk away from it. You, you're not a slave to it anymore. You can walk away because you become a slave of righteousness, meaning everything in you is just like your father, and you're just waking up. And so, what happened with this girl? Because she had believed it for so long." that she thought it's a truth and you know what her heart had changed and all it did in 3 months was her mind was catching up to her heart and she couldn't believe that yeah for the longest time i've desired this but now i don't want it and then she came to talk to them god just blessed her with an amazing guy who's a son in the kingdom and that's her life today of what god did for her you know and what i love about that is is about waking up to 
how did she walk away from something? Not because it's right and wrong. That's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's because she's a son. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Okay? It's the more you're waking them up and you're, you're making them realize for all your life, the devil called cook ice cream. They look the same. Chocolate ice cream. I mean, I know that's a bad example. But you have to be blinded to call bad good. And you can only call black bad good if your eyes are closed. And all you've eaten is bad. Thinking it's, it's God. And then you're waking up to righteousness. I'm telling her it's not in your nature. It's bad. And now she's seeing it because the Holy Spirit in her is there to do something. And my God. And then she tastes the goodness of God. And God brings her an amazing eye into his life. Into her life. And today she's married. And an amazing son in the kingdom. In beloved. And uh, you know that was a work of righteousness. Of work of just simply awaking that she's a son. And all of the inheritance came to her. Everything gets added to righteousness guys. That's why the devil hates the teaching on righteousness. That's why he never wants to know. Let a son never know that his relationship is by blood. That means, blood means it's got nothing to do with what you do or don't do. You're a son of his blood. Ambani's son will inherit all things. If he simply knows he's the son of his blood. How you say in Hindi, khun ka rishta hai. Right? And that's it. Based on that. And that's why the destroyer could not touch. He's not going and checking each one's list, Santa Claus list of naughty and bad. He's just looking at them, whether they're a son, by the blood, by the blood, by the blood. Okay? And you're getting established in that blood. I'm going to read a little bit more and then uh, we're going to continue on Sunday. Okay? So look at this. Jesus says, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Now you and I abide forever. But you're abiding by faith. That's why you have to know that your relationship, you become a son. Therefore, if a son has made you free, Jesus made you free from sin, you are free indeed. That's why what did Romans 8 say? He's freed you from what? It says he's freed you from sin. The death realm has, he's plucked you out of the, the, the realm of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, plunked you in the tree of life. Okay? How will you receive all things? I always tell just people, just here, just here, just here. You wake up. You wake up in the very blessing you wanted. Okay? Uh, Matthew, uh, sorry, Mark 14, 12, Luke 22 is both about the Lord's Supper. You can go and read it by yourself. It's the same instance that I've taken. Now look at John 6, 22. Okay? The bread from heaven. Jesus is talking about he being the bread from heaven. Okay? On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. Okay, now this is before God does this amazing miracle of multiplying the loaves and the fish. Okay, when the people saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into the boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, why did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God. Imagine this is the work. What do you do? Like, what do you do to get right with God? Do you fast more? Do you pray more? What do you do? And this is the work that Jesus defines. 
He's answered and said to them, this is the work of God. That means this is all he wants you to do. Believe in him whom he sent. Have you fulfilled the work in your life? Have you believed that Christ is the son of God? That's it. That's all the work he wanted you to do. Now you become a son. You become a son, just like him. You cannot call God, God anymore. That God, that's his job description, but that God is your father. That God is your father. Jesus didn't call God, God. Jesus called him God only on the cross when he was separated because when God looked away from his son because he was carrying the sin of the whole world. And then Jesus says, why have you abandoned me? My God, my God. But that's the only time he calls him God. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus is just calling him Father. It'll be weird to call my father if he's a judge. Judge, 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 judge. He will be like, Priya, I'm a judge in the office, but I'm your father. And the same way, God might be his description, but he's your father. Sons of God were made to take dominion of this world. Okay, a higher class of beings. And so at some point, you have to, religion wants God to be God and man to be here. And you'll never understand religion, even Christian religion or born again religion cannot understand oneness is because they see God through scripture and it's scripture, scripture. And then they give me another scripture and scripture and scripture. I, I, scripture is useless without seeing it from the heart and through the Holy Spirit. Okay. And you have to understand God through relationship. And then once you know what it means uh, to be a son, means Jesus is telling my God has become your God. And my father, to Mary Magdalene, saying, he's become your father. Go and tell my brethren that my, I'm going to my God and your God and my father and your father. Now when you call him father, don't think, like I said, cat and lion. Cat is talking to another cat, a bigger cat. That means if I call... I am calling him father, that would be same species. Another son. Son means God kind. Jesus gave birth to another Jesus. Just like him. As he is, so am I. And the more you come into union, into your spiritual union, that's what communion is. Joined heirs and I'm remembering my union with him. I'm absolutely one with him. And now, how can any sickness be in my body? And I'm looking at the blood and the wine of what he's done for me. And every time this flesh and the devil comes to condemn me, I remember I'm, I'm a son of his blood. It's not based on works. And now that's what it means to be righteousness consciousness. That's what it means. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. That's what it means to set your mind on things above, to be spiritually minded and not to be fleshly minded or to be carnally minded that leads to death. And the carnal mind or the life in the flesh is enmity with God. It cannot get right with God. You have to, you have to get, get out of the cycle of trying to get right or trying to seek holiness. You cannot. The law of sin and death is here. But the more you awake to righteousness and your union with him, trust me, holiness is a fruit. Holiness is a fruit. I've seen it in, my, in countless lives in Beloved Israel. It's a fruit. We don't preach on holiness. Holiness is a fruit of preaching on righteousness and that you're a son of his blood. Okay. It's very impossible to know when, when you know that you're one with Christ, you're in union with him. And then imagine Christ going and committing adultery. How is it possible? But it takes a separated mind to do something silly. And we'll talk about that when I address sin, what sin is, okay? Uh, this is the work of God in verse 29, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, 
he he gave them bread from heaven to eat now see this i told you old testament is a shadow of things to come what was the manna in the desert in the wilderness god took care of his children okay and what was the manna symbolic of the bread that would come down from heaven it was symbolic of what jesus would do for them and then jesus said to them most assuredly i say to you moses did not give you the bread from heaven it's just a symbol it's a shadow but my father gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of god is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world then they said to him lord give us this bread always and jesus said to them i am the bread of life he who comes to me shall never hunger he who believes in me shall never thirst but i said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe all that the father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me i will by no means cast out for i have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me this is the will of the father who sent me that of all he has given me i should lose nothing but should raise it up at the last day and this is the will of him who sent me that everyone who sees the son and believes in him may have everlasting life this is the will of god everyone who sees the son and believes in him may have everlasting life and i will raise him up at the last day verse 41 the jews then complained about him because he said i am the bread which came down from heaven and they said is not this jesus the son of joseph whose father and mother we know now they're looking at him in the natural in the flesh how is it how is it then that he says i have come down from heaven jesus therefore answered and said to him do not murmur among yourselves no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him this is the same i believe for me also no one can come to me unless the father has drawn that person to me this is the same for you also because you are another son just like christ he's a greater one in you but he's made you another son and i will raise him up at the last day it is written in the prophets that they shall all be taught by god therefore everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me not that anyone has seen the father except he who is from god he has seen the father most assuredly i say to you he who believes in me has everlasting life i am the bread of life your father ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die i am the living bread which came down from heaven if anyone eats of this bread now see this if anyone eats of this bread he will live forever and the bread that i shall give is my flesh which i give for the life of the world the jews therefore quarreled among themselves saying how can this man give us his flesh to eat then jesus said to them most assuredly i say to you unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood you have no life in you you have no life in you that means communion is a spiritual unit it jesus calls it a remembrance of his life in you it's all christ in you whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and what is eternal life in john it says eternal life is about having an experiential knowledge of the father that means knowing the father has eternal life that means you're back home with the father okay whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and i will raise him up at the last day for my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me that means i'm in spiritual union with him and him in me and i in him as the living father sent me i live because of the father so he who feeds on me will live because of me look at how jesus is saying i live not because of the food i'm eating i live because of the father 
eat food, but your life is not coming from the food. Your life is coming from the Holy Spirit that is within you. That's why I don't eat sometimes breakfast, lunch, dinner. These are patterns and cycles of the world that I fell into this realm. And so the tree of knowledge of good and evil told me all of these things. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, all of that. And now I come out of the patterns. I eat if I want to. I can have one meal a day. Okay. And sometimes I may not want a meal. Because my life is coming from the Holy Spirit within me. Not from the food I eat. Your, even your divine health is not coming from the food you eat. You can eat it for certain nourishment or things like that. But your life is coming from the Holy Spirit that is in you. And so just the way Jesus says, as the living father sent me, I live because of the father. So you live because of the father in you. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this said, this is a hard saying, because now you can't understand this with your, with your head. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? Does me telling you that you are one with Christ, that you are, you are in spiritual union, communion, union. It means communion, common union. Common union with him. That means if you're in common union with him, that's how you become a joint heir. Because you're a co-laborer in co-partnering, common life with everything about whatever is unified by the blood. That means his divine nature. That means all of his inheritance. That means everything that belongs to Christ belongs to you. And that's what remembering is. Communion. That you're no more separated. That you're no more in this slave mindset, God, man. Because man is always trying to earn something from God and get something from God. It's a weird relationship. But a father and son only have their relationship and the common factor is all that the son knows is, is the son of his blood. Do you know that a son gives identity to the father? Without the son, there is no father. Your relationship with your father is by blood. The simplicity of it. When a child is born, all the the association and he just knows the mother's voice or the father's voice. That's it. And he just grows and he's carefree and he just roam around. He doesn't have a consciousness of right and wrong. All he knows is that he's loved and that he knows the voice. And as he's growing and all he knows is that he's come from this, that, that's, that there's like this attachment and he just knows that I belong to this person. And that's what you're getting secure in. You cannot have dominion without knowing that you're beloved. That's why God doesn't say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. If you know you're the beloved, then you go and have dominion over things. Then you do. That's why at the temptation, the devil dropped the word beloved. He just said, if you're the son of God. But the father said, this is my beloved son. Why can't he remind him he's a beloved? Because temptation has no dominion over a person when they know they're the beloved. They're loved. That God is that good to you. Okay? Trust me, once you, it's, it, 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 once you know you're tasting the Father's goodness, you don't have to stay away from stupid things. You don't want to. Everything in your nature because it's just like your Father. Okay? Look at this, verse 16. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this saying, this heart saying, said, who can understand this? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It Now see this. What does Jesus say? It is the Spirit who gives life. 
the flesh profits nothing it is the spirit who gives life so do you know when paul is saying to be spiritually minded is life and peace but to run after the flesh to be carnally minded is death and then you wonder what he's saying and now look at jesus's word it is the spirit who gives life the flesh profits nothing that means you're running after the flesh and that's not going to do anything it's going to lead to death now see this what does he call spirit the words that i speak to you are spirit and they are life you live your whole life that's what righteousness by faith means that someone else did it and paid that price for you and every time you miss it you shake yourself get up again you're not a sinner trying to become a saint again you're a son you're a son you fall you're still a son who fell you get up you're a son and the more you're getting established in your blood union with him trust me like father like son even as you're awakening to know that you're a son you're a son of his blood everything that you do is just like his blood everything in your nature is just like your father okay <clears throat> it is a spirit who gives life the flesh profits profits nothing the words that i speak to you are spirit and they are life but there are some of you who do not believe for jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray them and he said therefore i said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more then jesus said to the 12 do you also want to go away but simon peter answered him lord to whom shall we go now look at what simon peter said you have the words of eternal life also we have come to believe and know that you are christ the son of the living god okay and there are many other verses that are, which i want to take but i doubt whether i'll be able to uh take it today i'm just going to take it in another verse okay uh i want to end with uh, i'm going to take this on a sunday again i will go deeper into communion okay when you're going to party communion so differently and on sunday we party communion in that way okay so uh, i want to i want to end with uh, or just give you a little tip of what i'm going to be sharing in my next uh, open with me to luke okay i haven't put it there open with me to luke to luke to luke uh, where was i hold on okay i'm i'm on luke uh, i'm just going to read for those who don't have it okay luke chapter 5 verse 17 now this is jesus healing the paralytic man Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the house top and led him down with his bed, uh, with his bed through this. to the to the tilling tiling into the midst before Jesus when Jesus saw their faith he said to them now see this when Jesus saw their faith he said to him he didn't tell the man who was paralyzed uh he didn't tell him be healed look what he says man your sins are forgiven you your sins are forgiven you and the scribes and the pharisees began to reason saying who is this who blasphemes who can forgive forgive sins but god alone but when jesus received perceived their thoughts he answered and said to them why are you reasoning in your hearts which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise up take up your bed and walk he was almost putting both of them together almost like your sins forgiven you 
and rise up, take up your bed and walk on the same level. Okay? And then he says, but that you may know that the son of man has power or not to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately, look at this, immediately he rose up. Before then, this is what righteousness consciousness does. Now, Jesus has not gone on the crosses yet. Okay, he's not, not died for this. This man is yet, but he is going to go on that cross and die for him. Okay, and that's with the authority that he's speaking. Immediately, he rose up before him, took up, took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. The more you know that you're forgiven, and it's just not a head knowledge, okay? It's deep-rooted because condemnation is coming on. You'll be surprised how you can get condemned over things you eat, over things you do. And you can get condemnation and condemnation leads to death. That's why it's a condemned heart that can't receive. That's why the more you're awakening to righteousness, and that's why it says, the more you're getting established in righteousness, uh, you know, oppression will not be there. You will be far from fear. Nothing will touch you is because... You're getting more and more rooted, rooted, rooted that it's, you're not seeing God as God, like a religion. He's your father. And now you're his son. That means same species. You become joint heirs with him. And communion, the more you're having, your, your union with that, what Jesus has done for you on the cross, and that you're a son of the same father now by Christ's blood. So it's not physical blood in your body. And that people say, it's a spiritual union because God is spirit. And so my whole life, I live not by the flesh. That means I don't let my flesh tell me who I am anymore. Because if I if I let my flesh tell me, my God, it'll take me on a on a rat race. Because every time I goof up. But the more I'm spiritually minded and I'm I'm in consciousness of my union with him, that I'm just like my father. It's a spiritual union. It's I'm one with the Holy Spirit. Guess what's happening? That Holy Spirit is subduing everything around me and even this flesh. And from that place of oneness, I can take down anything, even sin in my members. You put it down. Okay? And I'll, I'll talk about this later on, but what we'll do on Sunday. And then we'll have communion. Okay? And that's what we go into 1 Corinthians, where, uh, you know, Paul talks about when discerning the Lord's body. And so it's not a matter of confession of sins. No. And then now when you're discerning, as you've understood the Passover, God was not judging Israel in the Passover. God was judging everything but Israel. His sons were protected in the blood. So the judgment was everything outside the blood. And so that's what the blood is doing for you. And that's what communion is. Your spiritual union you're remembering. And now you're partaking. And now divine health is coming. So it's not communion that gives you divine health. Communion, Jesus was offered as a remembrance. So that you don't forget what I have done for you. You don't forget your union with me. That's what these elements are for, so that you don't forget. So after some time, you, you, you're not even having communion and walking in divine health because you already know you're waking up, awake to righteousness and sin not. Okay? So we take uh, the, this Luke and, you know, even the, the woman with the issue of blood where people were stoning her, uh, not with the issue of blood, she committed adultery. And she comes and, you know, everyone is like, oh, she's caught in the very act of adultery and everyone is throwing stones at her and Jesus is like, you among you who who's, doesn't have sin, throw the first stone. And so none of them could throw any stones. And if there was anyone who could condemn her, it was Christ because he's perfectly sinless. But he did not condemn her. And then he says, where are those accusers of yours? Has anyone condemned you? And she says, no. And he's like, neither do I, con I do not condemn you. And then he says, go and sin no more. So first comes no condemnation. First you have to know that your relationship is by blood. 
with the father there's no condemnation for you anymore you've been out of the cycle of sin and death come into the law of life that jesus has paid the perfect price for you and guess what no condemnation does go and sin no more it gives you the power because you're not under sin's dominion you're under grace now that listen the payment has been done you cannot lose your salvation you're once and for all saved you're a son of my blood through christ and now once you're getting rooted in sonship trust me now the holy spirit can work in you and approve all those weeds that need to be uprooted now you can do it even as you're awaking and waking up waking up waking up that's why you know when lazarus died jesus didn't say i'm going to i'm just going to wake him up and then when they didn't understand him jesus said okay he's dead i'm going to raise him up and that's what it means when the entire paul stone about wake up you were dead people and now you become alive and now you're waking up waking up waking up waking up to oh my god for long this time i lived in sin and i called it good Ugh. and now you're waking up because now it's looking like poop to you and you can only be when you're awake you can see it as poop and now you're waking up waking up to the consciousness of son eating from the father's hand his goodness and now whoa what was i thinking that's what the fruit leads to holiness righteousness is so powerful it's so powerful it leads to divine health it leads to prosperity righteousness by default it's a fruit prosperity you don't want to get rich you just get rich it's just righteousness is leads to it because righteousness means no condemnation no debt that's what it means so you can't have debt even in finances it's it's like waking up to the tree of life okay and the fruit of the tree of life is life there, there is no debt so we'll quickly just close today and then i'll take it up on sunday we'll continue on sunday uh so just say this after me okay uh just the way you give a spiritual uh, you give a tithe you know you give your offerings or you bring money and you give it uh you know you give it in the church a spiritual tithe is of all the increase of all the revelation that you got today you just come to christ and you you're giving him a tithe of all that increase by faith okay so say this after me say father i'm a son in your kingdom jesus you are my high priest and right now i bring a spiritual tithe of all the increase and understanding that has come into my soul of all the increase and in life that you've given to me that everything that you've shown me all the truth that has set me free and i just worship you with it and just pray in tongues right now ora hadala rada makashidi adoro rupa ya brahadara rupa koshudla rodo rupa ya hadara rupa father i just thank you for all the increase and in life that has come into everyone all the souls today that i hear in you all the sons father and i thank you that your quickening holy spirit communion my spiritual union with you one with you your quickening all of that that increase father of their oneness with you that you are one with them and father even as they are waking up to that every bit of death in that body in this mortal body your resurrection life is repelling all of that sicknesses that may have been there for years father everything is is uh, getting repelled by our very oneness with you and all that life in you is just repelling all of that your resurrection life in every body that is listening right now every son is repelling all of that all those lying symptoms out of their body giving resurrection life to that mortal flesh in jesus name by right name amen um <clears throat> so this is got hung uh guys i'm just going to close my laptop it's got hung okay so i'm going to see you guys on sunday at like i'm going to eat the bread and wine i'm not being communion we're going to do it on sunday after i finish the teaching because i haven't finished oh. okay okay
uh, I'm going to end this because my computer is hung. So, uh, yeah. I hope it works.